It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here, and I just wanted to drop in for a quick second to tell you that this podcast is really gaining popularity, and in order for us to continue growing like this, I'd love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes. Plus, I'm always excited to hear feedback and continue to improve our content based on what you want to hear. I know I'm in. Are you? Why does Big Waz not want to talk about the Sixers or the Nets? Did Phil Jackson make a mistake using the word posse? Do you agree with our Boogie Cousins trade idea? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring on the show Big Waz, who's a commentator for ESPN's True Hoop Network and always a fun and delightful romp through the NBA when you get a chance to hear him. So, Big Waz, thanks for coming on the show and chopping up some NBA stuff with us today. Thanks for having me, Coach Nick. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty well. I just did my little shopping for my family and uh, ran back home to get on the uh, online with you. So, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I thought what we could do is do something interesting, which is rather than going to go through who we want to talk about, let's do a little segment called Who Do You Not Want to Talk About in the NBA Right Now? So anybody comes to mind right off the bat? Uh, Probably the Sixers and the Nets because the Nets are out here um, where I live. I actually live in Queens, but they're in Brooklyn, but, you know, it's a New York City team. So I feel like they get a lot of coverage for absolutely you know, no reason other than the <laughs> fact that they're here, right? Like, they're a bad team. They have no – well, I guess they have a couple of young guys that are kind of interesting, but it's not like they have these rookies who we're looking at as maybe like a Ben Simmons or an Embiid who might be a potential future all-star. On the Nets, it's just all bad. So okay. <laughs> I, t- I tend not to like to speak about the Nets. <laughs> now, but now, the implication might be, um, if I'm listening to this correctly, is that – too many people are, are already talking about them, or you just it's gotta not, put them in a box. Anytime they talk, they're spoken of. Period. It's just like, <laughs> what are we doing here? It's all bleak. There's nothing to look forward to with this team. They're, it's a bad basketball product, and they're not actually working towards anything even resembling contention. Although they've been a lot better than you know me or most people anticipated that they would be. But yeah, that's why I go with the Knicks because they're bad and they're not interesting. Okay, that's so, true. You know, uh, you know the, the Jeremy Lin thing could eventually be something interesting, as he certainly has enough fans that want to. That, that I don't know about your timeline, but I get a lot of Nets uh, suggestions in my timeline. Jeremy Lin specific, it's interesting. 
Uh, I don't. I tend not. I'm, I actually like Jeremy Lin a lot. I liked him during his entire insanity run. I loved him in Charlotte last year. I've always been a fan of his because I have a soft spot for guys who can consistently get to the basket, right? Um, so I've always been a fan of his game, but I, I haven't found myself talking about the Knicks at all. I mean, not the Knicks, excuse me, the Nets at all in public. So I haven't gotten a lot of that, but I'm sure it's out there because everybody says that he's got like this legion of followers um, and devotees. So that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. Well, great segue, because if I had a vote for who I don't want to talk about, it's the Knicks for sure right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I do a weekly show every Tuesday and I'm getting prepped for that already today. And so I got to go through a morass of, of, of possessions every, you know, every Monday. I'm sitting there staring at hundreds. But, uh, man, I don't want to talk about them. I'm sick and tired of hearing about the triangle and not the triangle. Uh, and then Phil, well, oh, crap, maybe we need to talk about it then because certainly what Phil said the other day, uh, maybe you don't want to talk about it either. Are you talked out about that? No, I, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I thought it was an interesting – I thought it was interesting. Only in that um, LeBron felt a need to address it in the public manner that he did. But I didn't – you know, I wasn't completely put off by what Phil said. You know, if you're a young black guy like me, um, <laughs> plenty of old white dudes have spoken to you that way before. <laughs> it's not surprising, right? Like you don't need to – and I told people this. I was like you don't need to be some KKK grand wizard to display uh, racial insensitivity. It can happen, you know. And what I thought was interesting was that LeBron, he – decided to use his public platform his bully pulpit if you will to reprimand phil for that and that was it for me it wasn't like some crusade to right the wrongs of you know 400 years of america (laughs) it was just a guy who has a platform you know a guy who feels like him and his people have worked really hard and have achieved some great things and that they deserve a little bit more respect especially publicly from somebody who's an elder statesman of the league and uh, LeBron took it upon himself to speak on that. And, you know, that was, you know, that was interesting on LeBron's part. But other than that, I wasn't like, oh, my God, Phil Jackson, you know. (laughs) Well, you know, the bigger problem I had with that was him just talking about uh, about LeBron in the first place. Like, I don't know how that conversation got into the trees there, but, you know, he basically started, like, calling him out as if, like, from innuendo. I mean, I don't think he's that close with Spolster or Riley, so I don't think that they're out to dinner having steaks, like, you know, and cigars complaining about how, you know, a prima donna LeBron was back (laughs) then. So he's now, I mean, if if that's the case, and now Phil was just sort of maybe hearsay, right, kind of like just throwing out some random weird story. That was what was really more striking to me than, than anything. But uh, but I, I get your point. I mean, listen, like if we wanted to get real for a second here, like I got in trouble when I was running my high school program because I I had a point guard and I used the term street ball for the way he played. Mm. And, you know, I had to That's find out, see- <laughs> you know, interesting. I, through the back channels, I had to find out. I, I didn't really confront me or anything, but I found out through the back channels like, that that is not a uh, an appropriate uh, term. And, you know, I, I, I had didn't even fathom that. So, you know, duly noted. Put it in there right. somewhere in my brain, but that happens, sure. I guess, right? Yeah, and you know what's you know what's interesting is that there is a to the term ball, meaning it's a it's a type of 
basketball that doesn't take into account referees and organization of your opponent and things of that nature. Like, so there is a merit to it, but I can see how that could be used as a loaded term because I actually have heard that used to describe a guy, you know, a black player, you know, in a certain way. But the way I tend to think about it is not really black or white. It's, you know, a, rec- a lack of a recognition of organization in your approach to what you're doing right it's like you know this is our offense this is what we want to get out of our offense this is how we want to approach defense whether it be a press uh pick and roll defense um our philosophy on offensive rebounding you know stuff like that like that's what i think about as organized basketball things that you don't you tend not to think about at the park it's Mm. not really like a style of play (laughs) from a guy right right so that's why when i hear you say that it automatically registers to me what you meant but again these are the kind of things that it's important to even talk about because you know i'm sure the kid might have thought like well he's only saying that because i'm a black dude you know yeah well and by the way like there's two ways to go about that once it happens you could either say f you that's not a problem i could use repo or you can say Duly noted, uh, you know, and I, that not a problem. Right, you know, I'll make like sure it's I'll, not going to kill you to not say streetball. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. I mean, I'm all. I got all in the language as I started for coaching anyway about like how to properly phrase things. You know, uh, temper the, the the anger or the frustration and tone in your voice. All those different things that will just help help you in the long run. And I, you know, it's probably it's possible that a lot of guys, especially of a certain age and a certain. Uh, um, uh, not what's the word uh, gen, uh, generation probably you know just can't get there and I suspect but the, the, the irony is that Phil of all people is this guy who is way out right. there as far as um, social understanding and cultural right he's you supposed know. to be enlightened in these in these manners which yeah. I you know and I wouldn't even take that away from Phil I think he literally was just talking out of turn and as I was tell as I was telling people I was like when Phil gives interviews and He's talking about his peers or other players on other teams. Generally, he's talking out the side of his mouth. He's he's saying he's ribbing them always. Right. That's always the tack that he takes publicly when he's speaking about people who aren't on his team and sometimes people that are on his teams. He's uh, that's <laughs> always the the the, the um, disposition that he takes in his public st- statements. It, it's this kind of smart ass kind of like I'm really smart and I'm gonna say something slick about you, but it's not gonna be overtly, you know, uh, disrespectful. And I think that's the the tone he was taking there, and it kind of got away from him a little bit. And again, I'm you know I'm not one of these people that thinks Phil Jackson is now the devil, you know, reincarnated. I just think. He said something that he shouldn't have, and he was reprimanded for it publicly by a player, which, you know, I honestly, I'm proud of that fact, that a player can be in a position to do something like that to a guy who's in a management position, where traditionally that usually wasn't always the case. Sure. And I'm watching a lot of West Wing right now to try and, you know, maybe make me feel better. Uh, and, and, <laughs> FYI, if you're thinking about doing that, it actually makes you feel 100 times worse. It's almost like torture. <laughs> This is what uh, to, it should be. <laughs> yeah, right. Because then you start to imagine like the present we're going to have in these situations, and uh, it may, it feels horrible. But the, I bring it up because uh, you know there are moments when he might accidentally say something in West Wing that like sparks a whole thing. Turns out at the end, you realize he meant to do that. So the right. question with Phil is: is he is that smart guy who has been able to sort of get ahead of the game and know how to do that? So the only question is: if you want to pretend that okay, he did that on purpose, then why? Like, what was this greater you know? goal of his 
Yeah, and for me, I think he was trying to rib both Riley and LeBron. Uh-huh. It was like LeBron is a petulant child. Riley left the let the best player of his life walk away from his team. Okay. I think that's what he was trying to communicate. And um, you know, it, again, it was it was a way to it was a way to rib both of them. And you know, obviously he effectively communicated his Riley point, which is that hey, Pat Riley's supposed to be this great GM, the best player of his entire life, left, walked away for nothing, and he was blindsided by it. And by the way, that same player is a petulant child who wants to hang out with his mommy and his <laughs> and his boys <laughs> overnight in Cleveland. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about like what other. Well, let's not talk about a team. What who else do you not want to talk about right now in the NBA? <laughs> yeah, I, and obviously the Sixers, and and I've had this, I want to say a kind of contentious relationship with the Hanky Files out there, who was just like, oh, the process, the process, the process. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, are they in a better position as far as their franchise, as far as the assets that they have, than say the Milwaukee Bucks, who is used as an example of a, of what not to do. Right. Of not to chase um, seven seeds and six seeds of not to um, go out and get veterans just for the sake of buttressing a team that, you know, is probably not going to contend with the Clevelands and them and, and those types of teams out there or or the Utah Jazz. Right. Like what is so special after we're in, I guess, year five of this, of basically putting a D League product on the court? What have they gotten out of it? They got Embiid, which is a, he's obviously he's looked like a a beautiful a great piece going forward. I guess they got Ben Simmons. Um, we haven't seen anything from him yet, but just positionally, how are they any better um, positioned than these other teams that didn't go about explicitly tanking? And for me, again, I think there's actually an intrinsic value to competent basketball. As somebody who considers myself a basketball nerd, it's like I don't mind watching Charlotte and knowing they're probably not going to beat the Cavs in the um, Eastern Conference um, semifinals. That's fine. I like watching good basketball on a night-to-night basis. I don't need to get all, oh, well, they're never going to compete for a championship. It's like (laughs) I don't know. That idea to me is dumb. Right. Not dumb. It's not dumb. I I get why you want to tank, why you want to give your your team as many bites at the apple to get a superstar as possible. But in the meantime, there's a value to putting out quality basketball product for your fans night in and night out, even if that means like Memphis or like Charlotte, that you're, quote unquote, stuck, you know. And so that's why I was completely against the 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 process. Because it's so nakedly putting out a completely awful product for in perpetuity, essentially, until I draft the next LeBron or the next Kevin Durant. Which sounds good if you have 15 years to just put out a D-League product. Yeah. But, you know, in the meantime, you're putting out a D-League product. <laughs> well, well, I would say this because, you know, I think that they're in better position now than they were, like, let's say, that you know, in the very beginning of the process, right? Like, they, they, sure. have, they have assets. They have stuff they can work with. Um, I, I kind of think that, like, once they start winning, and it just seems like if Simmons comes back and they kind of get something going, and I got to do a deep dive because I haven't ever really done analysis on Brett Brown. I've kind of trusted that he was, you know, part of Pop's tree and they're, and they're running good stuff. But honestly, because of this, I haven't done very many Sixers breakdowns. So, you know, if, if, if it is the case that he actually is, a, you know, a good coach and he's giving them a solid foundation to work from and then they get some of his talent back and healthy, um, I think the Sixers fans are just going to forget 
the process. They're going to just sure. go right into the, oh, my God, we're winning with grace is great. And, like, That's oh, well, remember that time back then when we used to be bad? Like, I don't think anyone's going to have a grudge. They're going to buy tickets, right? They're just going to get right back on the bandwagon. Right. Yeah, and, 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 and I think for the most part, their fans have completely bought into the process. Yeah. It's people like me from afar as a, you know, as an NBA observer, as somebody who just wants to see good players, right? I want to see competent basketball. Um for me, it just offends my own sensibilities. As somebody who's not invested in one particular team's outcomes, right? I just kind of want to from a night to night, I would like to see as many, you know, decent to good basketball teams out there as possible. So that's kind of been my own personal gripe. Of course the fans are like, whatever. If this means we're going to end up with, you know, a KD, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka core at some point, then who cares? It was all worth it. But, you know, for somebody like me, I'm just like, um, and I want to quote um, my buddy Ethan Sherwood Strauss. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with Ethan's work, but he has this saying, he's like, yeah, in the long run, um, the Sixers might be pretty good and turn into a championship team, but in the long run, we're all dead, right? <laughs> like, yes. eventually you have to, like, we're living in the present. We can't always be looking for the future all the time. And, you know, a lot of times we want to think about, oh, this guy's forward thinking, but, you know, right now there's tickets to sell. Yeah. There's, a TV, there's a TV deal with, with TNT and ESPN, and it's like with your partners, and it's like if you, the Sixers are a partner with the league and, they're doing everything they can to be horrible for however long it takes. It's like, come on now, you know. Yeah. But as far as Brett Brown is concerned, honestly, when I do watch the Sixers, they play really hard, and they do all the things that you know that they can control, no matter how bad they are. You know, like they get back on defense. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, when people who aren't their rookie bigs are pretty con- consistent in their defensive assignments, you know, on a night-to-night basis. They just don't have the talent. If you ask Sixers fans, because I'm actually in dialogue with these people because I don't like the process, <laughs> they'll tell you that Brett Brown, his biggest flaw is his, his late-game execution. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how's he supposed to execute with these dudes, you know? So I, I think Brett Brown, for the most part, has done a pretty good job considering the circumstances you know um i liked i've liked him okay fair enough yeah and i whenever i've, I've heard him talk a whole lot like on lowe's podcast where he's coming on the wojnarowski whoever i'm listening to him and he, and he definitely has he sounds like like i would want to play for him um and you know let's not sleep on some of their talent i mean this guy sarich is going to be really good right uh and Embiid, i think is just fantastic yeah uh you know simmons is going to be an enigma because i think he's a really a righty and he's somehow forced to play lefty it's very strange uh, and, I, and I have a, a breakdown when he comes back. I'm going to probably just release it because I've never seen a shooter who brings the ball up on the right side of his face like he's in a righty and then kind of shifts it over to be a lefty Jeez, shooter. Yeah. Plus, he finishes every shot with his right hand in the basket, even when he doesn't have to or he shouldn't do it. It's very weird. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum. And the other thing that's funny about what this whole notion of, oh, I don't want to be the seventh-day seed. You want to be able to, just, I guess, shoot right past that to the top. But... In theory, the way it used to work, at least, is that you needed to have those take your lumps in the playoffs, get that vital experience for a young team, and learn that way. It doesn't just happen overnight, where all of a sudden you are that second seed and you're and you're going to the conference finals. So in the in that in that progression, you are going to be that team that you don't want to be in theory for at least a year. Right, right, and 
And in the meantime, how are you supposed to put a team together to say Laura and Al Horford in free agency, mm-hmm. right? Because you, at a certain point, you can't do every single thing through the draft. Right. You're gonna have to get quality players um, through other means in free agency, whether it be free agency or through trades. Um, I'm not sure how you could convince a guy like Al Horford to come to a team like the Sixers. It just right. wouldn't happen. And you need those kinds of pieces if you're going to be, you know, this stalwart contender. And, and you know, you saw it even with Oklahoma City where they got all of these great guys through the draft. Um, but they've never been able to get a, a shooting guard. Right. They couldn't. They, they lucked out in the draft. Um, they were never the Laura guy in free agency. You know, even when you do nail these certain things, you, you got to be able to get so many other things right. You know, in order to get to this championship tier. And again, the draft is a complete crapshoot. You know, um, look at a guy like Rudy Gobert. Look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You know, these are guys that weren't top three picks. Their teams didn't completely tank their seasons to get them. Obviously, when you you know when you dig into the data, most all-stars are picked within the top five. But that doesn't make it a fail safe. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are other means to to put together a quality NBA team. And so, I don't know, to nakedly just tank, I, I just offends my sensibilities personally. Well, the, the point you just made about having uh, high draft picks that don't necessarily mean anything, we, well, let's, let's not talk about the Kings then because there's a team that's gotten a ton of high, high draft picks. And you can argue that it's the culture itself is what is sort of holding them back. And, you know, even though I say I don't want to talk about it because it's frustrating and it's been the same over year after year, it does sound like um, nothing has really changed with uh, with Lade in charge. And maybe it's even gotten worse. Yeah. And the thing about it is this is why I kind of laugh when I hear stuff about NBA owners and tweaks they want to make to the rules and this and this and that. And we want to we want to have a superstar uh uh, Max, we want to do this. We want to be able to retain our players. What what happens when that player is DeMarcus Cousins, right? And you lock yourself into DeMarcus Cousins. Not to say his particular contract is a bad one because it's a great one, but let's just say there is some mechanism where you're able to retain a guy like that. A talent, but ultimately a culture killer, right? And you wedge yourself to something like that long term. You know, this is why I laugh when the owners are like, oh, we want to be able to do this. It's like, all right, you guys are still going to make the wrong decisions. And I think with DeMarcus, it's clear that they need to part ways, right? Because he's been there this whole time. They kind of let him run roughshod of the situation. And obviously, he hasn't worked out. They've had countless coaches. They've brought in countless players. Um, You know, their draft picks haven't really worked out that great. The one constant has been DeMarcus and this ownership group. And it's been a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think it's a, a, a top to bottom failure. You know, if you look at it, there's been no continuity. There's no consistency. The one coach that the guy actually did get along with, they fired him for no reason. Yeah. You they know, fired him because he went on a losing streak while his best player was out. Well, let me ask you this, because I've been to some practices with Marcus Cousins, mm. and I've seen it's not, you know, people aren't making it up. It is, you know, mm. if, you can only imagine I'm there for a random practice in the middle of the year, and he is doing his stuff, yelling at teammates, carrying on, not taking the warm-up seriously, all that stuff. And so you have to wonder, um, people always argue, well, if he gets to a different situation or a better team and they're winning, does he change and I don't know. Do you think that that's possible that a guy all of a sudden would get to like the Spurs and like suddenly become Tim Duncan? 
I don't think you become Tim Duncan. I think you become a little bit more manageable. Uh, when I, you know, the first guy that pops in my head is actually uh, Whiteside, right? Where he's in Lebanon. He's had tryouts with teams all over the league, and nobody was able to sort of harness his abilities until he got to somewhere with the institutional stability and infrastructure to take on a guy like that. You know, like it's so. Uh, it's like Hassan, you can act up, but like. You got Spo, you got Riley, you got um, Harrison, the owner. All three are in lockstep with one another. So and so institutionally, they can handle a guy like um, Whiteside or Cousins or LeBron. You know, like they they had stories about LeBron when he first got there, trying to kind of do his Cleveland thing and trying to muscle people around. And and Spo and, and Spo Riley um, Harrison kind of stood up to him and was like, "No, dude." You're you're under contract for four years. You're not going anywhere. This is kind of what it's gonna be, you know. Not to say that you need to completely dictate terms to every single player, but sometimes there needs to be that kind of institutional, I guess, firewall mm -hmm. against the guy who would try to hijack the situation. So I think you know, I think about a place like the Spurs, obviously Miami, um, even Boston, right? Because um, Danny Ainge is so, uh, he's got such good job security there. Brad Stevens is a guy who's already well respected, even though he hasn't even been in the league that long. I think you got to have that. Um, places that I don't think he would flourish is like the Knicks, right? <laughs> it's like the opposite of that, where it's basically pure chaos over there is from management to ownership on down. So, I think he needs to go somewhere, yeah, with with the strong institutional structure um, that could, you know, I hate using the term handle when it comes to players, but if, in the case of DeMarcus Cousins, I think that's the way you'd have to approach it. Okay, so I guess the theory being that, like, maybe he'd be less angry, he'd lash out less if the team was winning, I guess. That, right. That, that's what we said. And Because the other thing about Whiteside was that Wade was on that team. So not only did he have Arison and right. Spolster and Riley, and Wade, the best player on that right. team, also putting that pressure. And by the way, Whiteside, you know, uh, does balance out a lot of the amazing things he does with some really poor effort still, even now. Right. Um, right. But that said, like that's sort of what basketball is and what the league is because if you play both sides, you got to have to weigh like, okay, does the amazing things right. he does here outweigh the things? And then we get into this weird balancing act. Like, so, and some guys tip it, some guys don't. And I, I, I'm the lightning rod for guys like that, you know, because of the other guy who I do simply do not want to talk about, which would be Russell Westbrook. Oh, <laughs> you're not a Westbrook guy. Oh, you haven't, I guess you haven't been part of the conversation because, man, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've done videos and, and, you know, maybe I'll send a couple over to you so you can see him, but, yeah. you know, the guy is amazing, he's incredible, he does plays that nobody else can do, but man, does he balance them out with poor decisions and, um, you know, off the, off the wazoo and it drives me nuts. I, don't, I think it would drive most co coaches nuts because he's, uh, he's out of control, he's off balance um, when he's going to, to the rim and um, all the things that in my mind could be fixed, that's the thing. Right. And uh, and there's a guy who, you know, kind of is running the roost as well in, in OKC. And, you know, it's interesting because there's a chicken and egg thing here about, like, the culture has seemed to be wrestling with itself for a lot of years now. And guys like Reggie Jackson and James Harden have sort of been been uh, kicked out of that for whatever reason. So um, I think that there's – is there a similar situation there or is it completely different than, than – uh, well, I th yeah, I think I think OKC would actually work pretty good for um, 
for uh, DeMarcus because they have a culture of just coddling their players, protecting them from media, protecting them from all outside influence. That's kind of their their uh, ethos over there is that they they keep everything inside. And as far and you know Russell Westbrook is the type of guy. They're two fiery personalities, but I. He, Russell Westbrook commands a lot of respect amongst his peers. You know, somebody like me where I've I've kind of done a seesaw thing with Russ where it's like I I recognize what his short what his shortcomings are, but in the aggregate he's doing a lot more good than he is harm. I although I recognize what you're saying, there, there seem to be these things that are so correctable that he refuses to do like Maybe not taking 12 threes in a game, <laughs> you know, when you shoot 25%. Right. But, um, you know, um, I, I tend to be on the um, positive rust side when it comes to that. But, yeah, OKC, they, they've got stability as well. And, and uh, Presti's been there for years. You know, he's got job security. He's got the ear of his ownership, except for when it comes to spending money. But that's neither here nor there. Um. Yeah, I think that would be a great landing spot for him. I'm not sure what kind of pieces. I don't know what Sacramento's trying to do, right? We don't know if they're serious about keeping Cousins. Uh, the t- clock is kind of ticking with his contract. You know, back back when it was four years left and not just two, it was a lot easier and mm-hmm. a lot more tenable to be like, no, we're holding on to him. So, But, yeah, I think OKC would be fine. And I think Westbrook is the type of guy that people do respect, um, his peers especially. You know, somebody like me from the outside, I don't have to put – I could understand why a guy like KD would be like, I don't think I want to play with him no more. Okay. But at the same <laughs> time, I could understand why players do respect him because he is a guy that goes 100 miles an hour the entire game. He's got an unbelievable motor. And there's something to be said for that, right? Like, there's something to be said for a guy who every single night um, pretty much brings it. Now, you know, he doesn't always get in a defensive stance. <laughs> he might gamble too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, as we mentioned, he uh, his, his penchant for pull-up threes is kind of annoying considering his uh, his percentage from there. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't see why him and – he couldn't make the DeMarcus um, Cousins thing work. I you actually know, think it would be fantastic. I, I kind of threw that out there as a parallel just to the, the players they are, but I, without even really thinking of the notion of maybe OKC can make that deal. But, man. I don't think they would, though. Well, you know, think about it, though. And, and by the way, like, in my mind's eye, I'm trying to put together, like, how that would work. And you know what? It it could work on the floor. I, like, I, I don't know if they would be able to make it work, you know, uh, as far as teammates and the way they would clash. But you can also <laughs> think about it where they certainly have assets that they could send That's for Mark I mean. DeMarcus that right. they would take. I mean, they would take Cantor and they would take, um, you know, another young wing or whatever. What's and, uh, the, the Sabonis kid? Yeah. Yeah, they would do that. I mean, I, if I were Sacramento, I'd probably maybe get rid of Kufos as well and let um, sure. Willie Colley Stein just sort of play a lot more. Um, but you know what? I, I'm re- that's actually kind of intriguing, and maybe we could flip that out on Twitter and, and be the maybe if it happens, we'll take credit for it because yeah, trade machine doctors. You have, by the <laughs> way, you haven't ever heard. There's no whisper about that, right? I've never heard anything no. about cousins going to OKC. No, and that's because institutionally, culturally, it doesn't like they they're. they're Allegedly, they prioritize high-character dudes. And, you know, you can say a lot of things about DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know that high-character would be (laughs) one of them. So I don't know that he's the type of player – as far as his disposition and his approach that they that they tend to target, it tends to be a guy like Al Horford, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that that would be, but they they certainly have assets. They extended, they extended Russ, right? He's under contract for several years now, right? 
No, he's under contract for this season and next season. Okay. That's it. It was basically they added six months, right? So next summer, okay. we're going to be in the exact same position we were last summer where it's like um, Russell Westbrook either needs to commit to us long term saying that he's guaranteed going to sign his deal um, in the summer of 2018 or – we got to make a move, you know, wow. so and Russ got a lot of credit for, you know, basically bumping his pay to to bumping his pay this year by set by about eight, nine million bucks to kick the can down on free agency for one more summer. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the way, if the CBA remains the same, it's uh, <clears throat> that's when he's going to be at his 10 year. He's going to be able to get that 10 year max. So it made sense for him, but I'm like, all of these people talking about loyalty and Russ did the this great thing. He stayed with those great hometown folks. Only well, all he did was kick the can for one year in exchange for nine extra million dollars. Um, we're going to be in the same position next summer. We'll see what OKC wants to do. And I, I'm I'm down on their team, by the way. I don't. You're down don't like, like you're down like you're into it, or you're down like you're not into it. I'm not into it. All right. I don't, so you're like, not I down. Don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I, I don't think um, my buddy Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post, he's actually predicted that they won't make the playoffs. And I kind of lean in that direction. You know, um, you know what's funny about that? Because I'm looking right now. They're 8-6, and six, 57 win percentage, winning percentage, which translates to like 46 wins. And I don't know. Like, I would have said the same thing, you know, in the beginning of the year. But, like, they have quality wins. They got Russ. Um, you know, Donovan, I think, is a good coach. I mean, he's certainly. I think so too. He outcoached Popovich uh, in the playoffs, and, you know, and that's, that's a feather in your cap. So, um, right. you know, I don't know. I think they could make it, but I'm just trying to think like long term. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Jesus, if they really wanted to keep Russ, they would have to do some sort of splash to like get them back to where they were. And goddamn, if, if, if Bush <laughs> went there. Um, you know, they how, let's pretend they went there. Wouldn't wouldn't they be uh, instant contenders? I think so. I mean, you'd have to think so. As far as their big man rotation, I don't know what they would have to if they could somehow keep Stephen Adams. Um, yeah, I, to me that makes them automatically <laughs> a contender. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. now you're not so dependent on Westbrook for both his scoring and playmaking. You have a bona fide. NBA elite upper echelon scorer in Boogie Cousins. Um, and he actually, you know, his his game is diverse enough offensively that you can do a variety of things with him. You can put him on the block. His game actually goes out to the three-point line now. I think he's an underrated passer. Um, you know, he, his, his game is diverse enough to, to where they could do some creative things on offense. I think they'd be really good. Yeah, I you know I'm looking but at I the, still don't, oh, you know that said I still I'd still give put them um under the Clippers, the Warriors, and even um San Antonio. All really? Things. Yeah. <laughs> so that Boogie and Russ would only get them the fourth in your mind. In my yeah, okay. well, yeah, you know, but it's a lot closer than what they are now, right? Yeah. Because to me, the Spurs, the 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 Clippers and Warriors are clearly clearly the three best teams in that conference. And there's a there's a sharp line between them and the likes of Houston and Portland and Memphis and teams like that. And I I don't even know I don't even know that I think OKC is better than those guys because wow. I think in the playoffs they're gonna be they're gonna have a hard time scoring. 
Yeah. You know, and that's the thing about the playoffs. It's like even teams like like OKC last year, for instance, in the regular season, they didn't show themselves to be this high quality, high end defensive team. Then the playoffs rolled around and everybody's locked in. Yeah. And you saw what they were able to do against the Spurs and then against the Warriors, where you got you got guys like Ibaka and Adams switching out on screens against the two best you know, off-ball players in the NBA, you know, they're consistently nailing their assignments. They're crashing the boards. They're doing all of this um, incredible stuff. Uh, I think in the playoffs, man, the Thunder are not going to score. <laughs> um, I think they're right now, they're 25th, they're 25th in offensive efficiency. And um, that's not good. <laughs> right. No, it's not. I mean, and, and unfortunately, it doesn't have to be. But either way, they're making it do somehow with the way they're making, you know, they're, they're winning, you know, enough. Uh, I'm looking at the roster. I mean, it, it doesn't really work. They just don't seem to have enough. I mean, they'd have to give away Steven Adams without question. That'd be the starting point. Uh, they'd have to give away their pick. I'm assuming they have their first round pick this year. Uh, and, and probably Sabonis and Cantor. I bet you they have to do those three, mm. like three players and their pick. Uh, and then again, so then what do they have? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm really intrigued, but uh, I'm, not the, I'm not that Simmons dude who, like, who can figure that all out and figure out how the contract works. So. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, I, it's always exciting. That, that got my mind thinking. So maybe we'll hop on Twitter and throw it out there and see what people say. But uh, is there anybody else, uh, as we wrap up here, that, uh, that you simply do not want to talk about in the NBA? Uh, man, that's, that's <laughs> generally it, man. It's just the Knicks, the Nets. And the Sixers. <laughs> Those are my, my, my least favorite teams in the, the entire league to think about. All right. Well, you know, awesome conversation considering we didn't want to talk about any of these things. Uh, and maybe right. that inspires me. Maybe we'll do that from now on in my podcast because, uh, you know, <laughs> I like it. I like it. It gets you to thinking. So, well, Big Waz, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Um, you know, tell, tell everybody where they can check you out normally uh, on the uh, On Twitter, it's at Big Waz, at B-I-G-W-O-S. Um, I, I'm on the True Hoop podcast at least two to three times a week. Uh, that's with Amin El Hassan, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, um, producer Jade Hoy, Tom Haberstroh, guys like Kevin Arnovitz, Coach Thorpe. Uh, Windhorse, um, you name it. Um, we uh, True kind of runs the gamut of ESPN's NBA guys. Um, yeah, and you could you can uh, download that on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast from. All right. So yeah, if you want to check me out, that's where you can find me. All right, right. Well, great shout outs. All those people are friends of the program over here, so we like to listen to them. Nice. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Let's, we'll have to chop it up again at some point. Absolutely. Later in the future. This was fun. Thanks for having me, Coach. I'm a big fan of yours too. I, I look, I, I check your videos out. Um, I like, uh, I like most of the conversations you have on Twitter. Um, actually, this summer when you put out um Jeff Hornacek's little tri- his little interpretations of the triangle, that was one of my favorites of the year. I had to show it to a couple of my Knicks buddies. Like, ah, maybe this will work out. But then you know the season uh, happens and it's like rip it all up. <laughs> well, by the way, which <laughs> great chance to uh, to plug my show, which comes out every Tuesday. It's a premium show, so it's ninety nine cents. But I'm telling you, I'm producing the 23, 24 minute uh, broadcast quality show on the Knicks, which you okay. know you can't find anywhere else on MSG. So uh, okay. thank you, thank for being into that and uh, it's a, no it's a dying thing uh, it's frustrating to watch how the Knicks are just uh, to start the game they'll run triangle a couple times just to like hey Phil see we're doing it and then they just go right away from it and, uh, and are uh, you a triangle guy 
Yeah, I, I, when I coached, I was a triangle offense coach, and Tex Winter, wow. who invented this, I think was a mentor of mine when he was at the Lakers here. And so uh, I, I will go to the, I will fight to the death to defend the triangle. triangle. Um, and in fact, I'm going to do a breakdown that's going to be free on the Knicks, which is going to show you the shots they're getting out of the triangle. Just the quality okay. of shots. And you can see for yourself whether you think that this is worthy of running more because, um, okay. you know, the other offense is okay, but a lot of harder, much harder shots. Okay. I look, so, I'm look. i looking forward to that then. All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Big Waz? I'm in. I'm all in. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store.